This is my comeback. This is my comeback story. This is Trey Lewis with Good Landing Recovery, and you're listening to the Comeback. Excited to be here today with my friend, Pastor Jeff Lau. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, man. So honored. Good to be a part of Good Landing Recovery. Love what you guys are doing, and honored to be on the uh, podcast today. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So this is the comeback from addiction to redemption, and really what. This platform is is that in in the midst of of addiction ministry, so often our attention is on the the crisis moments of someone that needs an intervention or someone who is just uh, requires that that we are are hyper focused on some type of 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 situation that's not always the most pleasant to to deal with. And what can happen to to a lot of ministry leaders who are here is that sometimes we, we forget about all of the miracles that are happening around us. And so we spend a lot of our time lately talking to people who are on the front end of the of the journey and being intentional and looking at people that have six months clean or they've got a year clean, but they're still very new into this. And so to be able to have you here today is I mean, you're the you're the pastor, you're the face that we see. A good landing typically on on Sunday mornings. It's been a while since you've been up there, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But sometimes, whenever we're sitting out there in the audience, you know, and you're up there and you're preaching, and you are the spiritual leader, that we don't understand that there was a testimony, there was a real journey that God took you through, and what He delivered you out of to be able to get you there. And so, we're going to jump into that story today, if that's okay with you. That sounds great. But you have also just written a book. Yeah. So in February, we released my first book. It's a book called Figuring It Out As I Go, which is basically how I've done life. I'm 50 years old now, and I've been figuring it out as I go the whole time. And um, that was the name of the book, but it is a, it's a chronicle of my life story moving from abandonment and betrayal as a child. My mother left us when I was very, very young, and that emotionally scarred me. And my response to that scarring and that brokenness was not a good response. And that that led me into the, the lifestyle of drugs and alcohol and crime and all of those things associated with it. And uh, radically saved at the age of 24 after having grown up in the church, walked away, kind of mocking Christianity, God in his grace and mercy still pursued me, and my boss where I was working became a witness in my life over about two years, and then I got radically saved and delivered from drugs and alcohol addiction, a 10-year from age 14 to 24 every day. Um, all of the stuff that goes along with addiction was instantly delivered on the day I was saved. And so from that, uh, just kind of following the Lord, not knowing anything really about what it meant to be a disciple of Jesus and following him and the Lord leading me. And so all of that, plus a whole lot more is contained uh, in the book, figuring it out as I go. And I just felt it at my age now, it's time to share that story wow. and how the Lord never gives up. I mean, in the essence of uh, cries and prayers and moments of desperation that I had as an alcoholic and an addict where even in drunken or, or a stupor of drugs, I would cry out to God, God, please help me. Please rescue me. Don't leave me like this. And I'd forget about those prayers by the next day when I would be partying again. But God never forgot them. God, mm. in his mercy and grace, coming after me and eventually bringing me to himself. Wow. That's incredible. It's powerful. So you see good landing you know, at, at church most, most Sundays and see people on the front end of it, and they, they hear you preach. I mean, you're you're th- thinking about th- these that are 
you know, it's dynamic. I mean, there's all kinds of people that are going to listen to this, but but so many are going to be those that are on on the front end of this journey. Like, what what's your advice, your your ministry to them directly to them right now? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm of the personal belief, Trey, that there are people who can get clean through sheer willpower. I was not one of those people. I needed to be delivered by God. But even those who can do it through sheer willpower, they're going to need something. I think the danger that I've seen with a lot of people, especially my old guys that I ran with and hung with, we always wanted to get clean, but we never, we, we would stop doing what was wrong, but we never had anything to fill up that space. And so, so many people try to go at it alone. And so if there are people that are listening that want out of that lifestyle, want out of their chains and their addiction, but they're trying to do it by themselves independently of a, a tribe or a family or a church or a group, um, I, w- I would say the cards are stacked against them. I'm, I'm personally convinced we are not meant to do this alone. Mm-hmm. We're not meant to walk the road of faith, the road of life, the road of hope. We're not meant to do any of that alone. We've got to have people that we're doing it with. And one of the things that I love about what God's doing through Good Landing and at Good Landing is when I'm in the pulpit on Sunday mornings and I look out, I'm going to be honest with you, I love everybody in the room. I love everybody. It doesn't matter what their background is, what their what the demographic is, but I feel a connection with those that are in Good Landings Recovery because I have been there. And when I look at them, and they may be in various stages of hopelessness and, and addiction, and you know this is their 50th time and they just don't know if it's going to work, I look at them and I know every single person can be set free. I know it. I don't. I, it's to me, it's not a roll of the dice. I know God can do it. And so, if people are listening and struggling with that, I point them to Jesus. I mean, I'm unapologetic. I point them to Jesus, and the Lord. His heart is such that he's not going to ignore our cries, but he also, he's not going to play around with us. If we're not ready to do things his way, then he will let things go our way until we're finally reaching that breaking point. That's so good. So good. Let's talk to the parents for a second. I mean, the parents of those that are trying to support somebody who is, who's in this journey, you know, you've got a, a family member who's listening right now, their kid is is out there doing their own thing. I mean, what what's what's the encouragement to you know to a family that has just just written them off of, you know, there's there's no hope or this is too hard. Yeah. I I think the family bears the burden in ways that the actual addict doesn't. Obviously, it's a it's a completely different animal for those that are loving and wanting to protect and provide for and help those that are in the chains of addiction. Eventually, it comes down to this place of you have to recognize that there's you have severe limitations. And part of the concept of biblical love, agape love, agape is the Greek word that's most translated to describe the love of God in the New Testament. And agape is, is God seeking the highest good of the individual. And what we've turned into, we have turned love in into the definition of Love is when you make me feel good about me wow. or you do what makes my life easier. And so sometimes a parent or, or, or a spouse, someone in the chains of addiction, they think I'm being an awful spouse. I'm being an awful parent if I'm not doing something to temporarily rescue my child or my spouse. And so they morph the definition of love into the world's definition, which is make me feel good about my situation or make me feel good about me. 
God's love in the prodigal son, uh, that father let the prodigal son go to the far country, waste whatever he had, ruin his life, basically. And he waited for him to come back. And so I would say the parents, as difficult as it is, and especially moms seem to struggle with this so much, um, you may have to anticipate it getting worse before it gets better. From my parents, um, I was cut off from my parents the last four years before I was delivered. Um, and my dad would tell me later, my dad's a believer and so is my, my stepmom, they, they, they actually quit reaching out to me. They definitely quit bailing me out, but they never quit crying out on my behalf. Wow. And so I would say, especially for those of your listeners that are Christians, you have to get tenacious in warfare and prayer over your loved one, and you, you're going to have to wait on them to hit that rock bottom. And if you keep rescuing them from rock bottom, you're actually not showing them the highest love that you could. You may have to show that highest love by letting them hit the ground, and then God will be there to pick up the pieces. That's so strong. I think about so many people that have come through here, and when they have a a real f- family that that is that is serious about, or to use your word, tenacious about warfare, like that is the ace in the hole. Yeah, I mean, when they come in, and there's this combination of you know this this child or this loved one who um, wants this, but then you've got the nuclear power of the praying family. It's just such a big deal. And then, you know, defining what love needs to look like during that season, it, you know, it doesn't just look like, hey, whatever can can make them feel good about themselves. It's just such good language to be able to empower the loved ones of saying, hey, if we want to see them get well, then we get on a united front with the same narrative of, yeah, we love you, but we're not going to sit here and enable you to, you know, for you to kill yourself. So, so good. You have another comeback story. Yeah, this year. Yeah. Can you talk with us about that? Yeah. What's interesting is we released uh, my book in February of this year. 2020 has been hard on everybody. I mean, I don't I hesitate to <laughs> to hijack the narrative of 2020 and make it my story. But in November of 2019, um, a growth appeared on the side of my neck, the right side of my neck. We were on family vacation in the mountains. And uh, I felt this in my neck. And so I reached up and touched it and asked Amy to look at it. She said, it's just a swollen gland. Well, a a month later, it had gotten bigger and it wasn't gone. So we knew we were wrestling with something. And I'm the typical guy who wanted it to go away, didn't want to slow down, didn't want to go to the doctor. But when I finally did, and they ran the test, it came back to us in the first week of January to be a malignancy. It was a tumor that was spanning. It was about the size of a mandarin orange, and it was spanning my carotid artery, my jugular vein, and it was it was the center of it was on my tonsil of all places. And so I had to go through a couple of surgeries. After they did the testing, they found out, yeah, it's a malignancy. And so they prescribed uh, six weeks, five days a week of intense radiation, and then several uh, chemo treatments were prescribed. Um, I'm I'm wired similarly to you. Um, I figured, okay, well, this is a bump in the road. Let's kind of kick its tail and get back to life. And that's not what was going to happen. It wasn't going to be a knockout victory. And so what ended up happening is going through the th- chemo and the, uh, uh, the radiation, um, it, it wiped me out, Trey. I mean, literally, it's the toughest thing I've ever faced physically. And so um, the Lord was gracious and merciful. He was kind. He loved me. I'm not here to say God sent me cancer, but what I, what I will say is this. 
God didn't prevent the cancer that he knew he was going to use in my life. I do believe it was the enemy. I think the enemy wanted to muzzle my voice, take me out. But um, the Lord wasn't going to let that happen. But God got me sequestered to himself for um, a couple of months. And I'm, I was completely shut down from ministry, couldn't preach, couldn't talk. I couldn't speak for about eight days to 10 days, couldn't eat for 46 days, um, and was in incredible amount of pain. But ultimately, the, the hardest part for me was is that I was cut off from the body of Christ. I was cut off from my friends. I was cut off from my family. Amy and my kids couldn't do anything to help me. And so it ended up to where I was alone in my bedroom for most of April, all of May, and most of June, almost all of June. And the only times I left the house were to go to, to treatment, physical treatment for the, for the cancer. And um, those were some isolating, difficult times, alone with my thoughts, alone with um, some questions. And ultimately, what the Lord showed me through all of this is, uh, Jeff, you can lose your access to everything, and you will never lose me. You'll never lose my love. You'll never lose my faithfulness. You'll never lose my promises. And he let me go through that dark valley and um, to come out on the other end. What's interesting, I'll share this very quickly. At the peak of my struggle with a cancer, so you're laying in bed. I mean, I, I watched more Food Channel episodes because I couldn't eat. So I vicariously ate through the Food Channel. I was like, oh, when I get better, I'm going to eat that. I'm going to eat that. I'm going to eat that. Well, ultimately, I got sick of watching the Food Channel, so I started watching ESPN Classics. And I'm watching Mike Tyson's 20th fight. Mike Tyson was 19-0. and 0. He won his first 19 fights by knockout. 20th fight, he could not knock the guy out. He looked lost, but he won in 10 rounds, a unanimous decision, but he never knocked the guy out. And as I lay there, the Lord spoke to me. And I don't know how the Lord speaks to you, but I can tell you he spoke to me inwardly. And he said, Jeff, you're living by the formula that you've learned over the years. You're used to always knocking out your opponent quickly and winning and raising your hands in victory. I'm going to teach you how to go to, dis go to the, go the distance. Wow. I'm going to teach you how to go the distance. I'm going to show you that it doesn't have to be a knockout to be a victory. And so from that, what I've learned in this time is, though things don't always end when I want them to end when they're bad, and though I can't get everything started right when I want to get it started, and though God has never had to sign off on a promise to always do things my way, what I do know is that if I'll cooperate with his way, he will lead me into that place. And so through the cancer process, I'm cancer-free now. There's none of it in my body. Um, I made it through the treatments, and... So on the back end of, of COVID and being isolated and dealing with the cancer, I'm sitting here today and telling you God is great. He's faithful. He would have been great if I hadn't been healed. That wouldn't have diminished his glory at all. But I, I'm so thrilled to be able to experience health again. I feel good. I feel better than I've felt in years. Wow. Well, I am glad that you're not the only believer that uses Mike Tyson in their sermon <laughs> illustrations or ministry. I quoted him a couple of weeks ago on our, we did this Friday night event. And one of my, my favorite quotes that he said is everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. That's it, man. <laughs> that is it. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, but I, you know, but, but again, I've got so many different questions, I think, you know, cause you, 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 you made the parallel of saying that, that we're wired similar, similarly and that to, you know, what, what type of, are you going to, to reemerge out of this business as usual? Or did God, like, what, what do you say to the, 
I mean, the type A that's going 100 miles an hour, conquering the world. Like, what? Yeah. Well, I, I'll say this. Um, I think humility is either something we pursue for ourselves. God says, his word says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he'll exalt you at the proper time. Um, we're told to humble ourselves. And I, man, you know, you assume you're humble because you're not screaming, you're not strutting, you're not doing all the things that you would associate with being proud or arrogant. But it wasn't until God humbled me that I realized humility is less about swagger and more about inner attitude. And my inward attitude was not humble. And so what has happened through this is that there's been a fresh level of surrender. Um, that doesn't come easy for a lot of us. Surrender involves trust. Surrender involves not only trusting God, but trusting other people. I trust God pretty well. I don't always trust other people. And so as a type A guy who was created by God to get things done, make things happen, to facilitate things, that's, I'm not apologizing for that. That's the way the Lord makes certain people. But the fact of the matter is, is God wanted me to get to a place where I could trust that he's made others like that too. And so I could, I could step back. I don't always have to be in charge. I don't always have to be the point man. I'm, uh, you know, I don't al- always have to assume I can do it better than the next guy. And even if I can, that doesn't mean that I should. And so I think what, what happened is I came through this broken. And it will not be, you asked, will it go back to being business as usual? It, it isn't, it hasn't, and it won't. Um, even if I didn't have the Holy Spirit to convict me, I've got this wonderful thing called the voice of Amy Lyle. <laughs> and Amy and I have, have renewed some commitments to each other, and she knows where I've, I've acknowledged my weak spots. And so the, the brokenness that comes through pressures, the brokenness that comes through disappointments, the brokenness that came to me through sickness and my body not working right, I hate it while it's happening. But I've, I've, I've been down the road long enough to know that the end result is good because it's, it's through that suffering concept. It's all of the book of First Peter. You just read where it talks about Jesus suffering and how much good came from his willingness to endure the suffering as part of, part of the plan of the Father for his life. I don't go chase suffering, but I'm learning not to avoid it. And so whether it's suffering or whether it's struggle, whether it's um, just normal humbling or outright humiliation, and cancer was humiliating for me, um, on the back end of it, what I can say is um, God hasn't changed. He hasn't diminished. And so I don't have to be as capable as I feel I need to be capable. Um, I can actually have a down day, a down month, or a down 2020, and the kingdom's going to keep going on perfectly fine without me. And so what you do is you take a step back, and you're like, whether it's a business, whether it's leading in a family, whether it is a, a dream or a vision in ministry, the, the strong leader has to step back sometimes and just say, okay, I got to avoid the pitfall of thinking that I am absolutely essential. I have a part. I may even be you know, a crucial part of it, but the only essential element is that we have the touch of God on this thing. And so that's, that's finally where I came to. Wow. You know, while you were going through all of this, I, I knew there were going to be lessons and, and I knew there were going to be lessons for me that I was going to be able to receive just on your journey going through this of just what it's like. I, I just can't even get my mind around what it would be like right now if the Lord just said, Trey, 
you know, six months, I'm going to sideline you. And I mean, you saw me, you know, walking into this studio five minutes before about to lose it because I can't figure out that there's not enough minutes in the day, but then also to realize, I mean, I'm replaceable and the kingdom's going to go on. The mission's going to go on. God's going to set people free from addiction, whether I'm here or I'm not here. And um, anyway, it's just really, really interesting just how that's ministering to me personally and, and just giving me perspective. So many people that are listening to this today, too, are, I mean, addiction is one that, you know, that you just don't go in there and throw the overhand right and knock it out. I mean, it's a monster, you know, and sometimes the Lord does do all the work right there at the altar and takes the taste away from somebody. But a lot of these are family members that are now on their, you know, they're, they're watching their, their kid or they're watching their spouse go through their fifth treatment center right? or their 10th, you know, and then somebody, they're, they're growing weary into this. And, and I think a lot of people are, you know, and, and coming out, you know, in, in the drug culture, it is, you know, I want to feel good and I want to change the way I feel. And so, you know, I give the dope man 25 bucks or whatever, and then immediately I've changed that. You know, obviously we know that that is, that's not real transformation, but that's what their life has been like. And now they get on the front of this and realize, like, this isn't a one and done type of, okay, I went to the altar, they prayed, it's over. And I think so much of, of, of what you had to face in cancer and those, those elements are going to really help people that are, you know, whatever that might be, not just addiction, anything that they're going into of, you know, where, whether it's a marital issue or whatever it might be, those, those same elements that, that allowed you to persevere and come out better. Because I almost feel like, too, that if you would have had the wrong mindset or you just would have been mad at God about it, that you actually could have came out worse oh, yeah. on the other side of it, too. So, Guys, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. It is a privilege and an honor to be able to serve you. If you or someone in your family is struggling with addiction, please give us a call. It's 770-570-7422.